Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to another episode of Let's Be Blunt with Montel, where we dive into the world of cannabis and speak with industry leaders. In this episode, we have a very special guest joining us today. He's a co-founder and chief executive officer of Green Horizons, a large-scale cannabis business located in Coachella, California. He's dedicated to making a difference in the world of, as a champion for natural health care and well-being. He's a graduate of Southwestern University School of Law in Los Angeles. And he's trained in numerous plant and amphibian medicine techniques. Carlos Arias, a.k.a. Los Arias, welcome to Let's Be Blunt with Montel, sir. Uh, thank you so much. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you. What a pleasure to have you on. I was excited about this interview. Look, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where, you, where you're from, where you, and you know what, what drove you and drove your interest into plant medicine. So let's start with where you're from and where you, where you grew up. Uh, thank you so much, Montel, and great to be here. What a true pleasure. I grew up in Miami, Florida. Uh, okay. My ethnicity is Cuban-Brazilian. My mom is Brazilian. My father's from Cuba. On my mom's side, the Brazilian side, uh, there is a long lineage of working with ancestral plant medicines and, and shamanism going back to you know many, many years and uh, modalities like ayahuasca, combo, uh, 5-MeO-DMT, et cetera. So I was exposed, Montel, to these ancient technologies at a very young age. And cannabis was also part and parcel to that lexicon. And, you know, it started from that level of sort of familial uh, background. Uh, a little bit later in life, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I leaned on these modalities to assist me in my healing journey. And they were transformative, to say the least. And that informed my professional choice of entering the regulated cannabis space over 10 years ago. Uh, got started uh, uh, initially in Colorado, uh, you know, during and after law school. And then I was a first mover in California in 2017. Well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Colorado. You started back then, and, you know, I was very involved in some of the original lobbying for Colorado to finally pass a bill to allow for cannabis. Um, that was way back. Um, Talk to me about your start, where you got started at in the business in Colorado, and what did you do? Thank you so much. So my best friend in the planet co-founded a company called River Rock, which was one of the founding companies in the state of Colorado going back to 2009, 2010. Uh, I joined a few years thereafter, uh, circa about 2013, 14. Uh, I helped raise some growth capital for uh, the business and uh, contributed to sort of the day-to-day -day operations. Uh, River Rock had cultivation and retail assets in the greater Denver area. And that was sort of where I cut my teeth, Montel, you know, in the, uh, you know, uh, regulated space. I learned the, you know, standard operating procedures of how to run, you know, a scaled cultivation facility, uh, you know, and also retail and, and developed an appreciation for, for where the industry was at and where I thought it could go. And way back then, just since you brought that up, because I mean, I, I like myself, uh, like yourself, I mean, I've been in the business for almost 23 years now. I mean, I, I got started way back in 2001, you know, way before it was Vogue and anybody was, you know, I, I was getting laughed at when I did interviews and, you know, a lot of a lot of haters came after me, you know, that are now part of this industry even came after me, you know, um, and, you know, even in Colorado, I remember. I can't tell you that I say I remember, but I can't remember what year it was. I, I held 
I think we held one of the first discussions. This is when Roma was going out of office and they were literally thinking about initiating a medical thing in Colorado first. And so I remember holding a debate with those politicians that were running to replace Mayor, uh, who's a Norm Early, or who was the, the, the mayor way back then? Anyway, uh, I remember holding a debate with a lot of these guys talking about it and everybody really kind of attacked us for having done that. Um, so Colorado starts its its program. When was medical voted in in Colorado? Oh, yeah, 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, um, did you not think like I thought back then that, you know, this would have moved along way faster than it is moving along right now today? Uh, certainly at the federal level. You know, I think uh, Colorado and I think the way you characterize those early days, uh, Montel, are spot on. You know, and kudos to you, friend, for, to your point, being involved in the sector and in the movement well before it was in vogue. You know, I have a tremendous appreciation and respect for that. And I've always considered myself fortunate to be standing on the uh, shoulders of the true pioneers like yourself. So just thank you. For, thank you for that service. I mean that sincerely. It was a great inspiration for me, you know, to see that early. And I wasn't one of the ones laughing. I was one of the ones applauding. But the laughter was there. And, you know, insofar as Colorado as that initial experiment for democracy, if you will, you know, I had a sense that the Western, uh, some of the Western states, Oregon, of course, Washington State were early as well, uh, California, that it would move uh, as, you know, somewhat briskly adopted and we would have that runway. But I did always have, um, and this was probably because I was in law school at the time when I first got involved in the industry. I was actually going to school in L.A. at Southwestern, and I was on a plane every week spending Monday through Thursday in Colorado, you know, and back on the plane. I did that for about two and a half, three years, man. And I, I earned my my JD and and sort of cut my teeth in, in, in the cannabis lane in that way. But I always had a sense that the arbitrage between state and federal law would take a long time to thaw out, uh, I think. In the last few years, uh, like most of us, we've I've been very frustrated at just how glacial that process has been. You know, we should have got safe banking done and some of these other measures done years ago. But do you think some of that, again, being one of the, you know, OG OGs, the real true OGs in the business, and I mean, honestly, you should you should pat yourself on the back for that too, sir. And I thank you for the accolades my way, but I got to pat you on the back for what you have done to really transform this industry into what is now a viable industry and vertical. However, are you not disappointed a little bit with some of your peers and some of the others that are in this space? And I'm sorry, you know, that I, I don't I do not do a podcast to cast aspersions upon my own business. However, I think we need to call attention to the fact that, you know, there has been so much, I don't know, I, so much misguided, what do I want to call it? Entrepreneurship in the sense that, you know, people jumped into business, and some of them, some people jumped into business with true spirit like yours, who really believe in the plant, believe in plant medicine, studied this long before anybody else got aboard, figured out what this could do for people. But there are others who, you know, up until a week before they filed an application for a license, they were haters out in the street. They were out there equally casting aspersions against the industry. And then all of a sudden they turn around, oh, I, y'all, I really blame her kind of, I feel like saying, you know what? And it really pissed me off. However, I look at it now, I, I don't just blame the Fed 
for the foot dragging, I blame our industry because we have not spent enough time communing like this, discussing and figuring out how we can, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats rather than I want to buy my own boat. You know what I'm saying? And, and I mean, has that disappointed you a little bit? It has. And um, the way you are expressing that resonates deeply. I think there's a few factors. You touched on many of them. The early entrants, many of them, uh, were in fact far less interested in the true nature and you know efficacy and, and sort of nature of the plant. And they were focused on this green rush concept. I think that was particularly pervasive in the early you know, reverse takeover moment back in 17, 18, 19 in Canada, the CSE coming online, all of these companies, you know, going public before they were actually even real companies. A lot of people obviously got hurt in, in all of that. None of those people were interested in any of the things that you just uh, enumerated uh, so eloquently. What's left now are, you know, by and large, true survivors, because the industry has obviously been somewhat beleaguered, right? Not only on, on, on a state by state basis, but also uh, at the federal level. And I think to your point, you know, there has been a paucity of leadership within the industry. And I think what I'm starting to recognize now, thankfully, and, you know, I've been putting a lot of uh, personal energy into this myself, is, is more community building. You know, the, the people that are still around or by and large people that really want to be here, you know, the, um, you know, folks who had a mentality of kind of coming in, you know, milking the opportunity and getting out, you know, some of them did well and were able to pull off that magic trick, you know, congrats, I guess. Many of them, you know, didn't have such success and they're gone anyway. So I think there's an opportunity now, Montel. Um, tremendous disappointment for sure. But I, I love to look at things to the extent that I can, you know, glass half full. Uh, I went to a recent fundraiser event for Fiona Ma, who's going to be, uh, you know, California state treasurer, who's going to be running for a lieutenant governor in the next couple of years. And, you know, I, I got, I, first time I had a chance to meet her, this was like literally last week. And I was uh, filled with hope at a politician of her ilk standing there and talking about, you know, the importance of this industry succeeding, not only in California, but everywhere. And, and, the yeah, but then, and, and please, sir, I, I don't say what I'm saying to cause an argument, or I'm not even saying it to question what you were saying, I'm, I'm just throwing out there, you know, we did have other politicians talk some shit too. Excuse my mouth. It is, no, it's the it's truth. Let's talk with Joe Biden who and Kamala Harris. Oh, in the first hundred days that we're in office, we're going to ensure that legislation, shut the you know what up. I feel like smacking them upside here because they're both <laughs> The same thing is going to happen again right now. I'm not questioning the politician that you just talked about. However, if she's prepping for a major campaign, yeah, why not jump on the, on the backs of those who can donate some money and support her? And then, then all of a sudden they go running. You can't find them after, you know, the election's over. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, I won't, I won't pick who I was involved with to, to help them move their career ahead. But they literally, after the career was accomplished, you know, I'm persona non grata. You know, what I mean, I can't even get I can't even get the phone to be answered, which is really sickening to me, especially when they run around telling people, oh, I've been believer and can't stop. It's a lie. And I think, you know, I don't know. We focus so hard for five or six years, seven or eight years at the B2B level, you know, from 2010s to 2020. You know, I remember 
when I first started going to conferences, I spoke at conferences all over the world. I spoke in Israel, I spoke in Jamaica, I spoke in you know, uh, uh, England, I've spoken around the United States and I don't know, probably almost all 50 states. And mm -hmm. when I first started speaking, you know, there was a lack of knowledge in the plant itself, even in our industry. Back in 2001, 2002, 2003, I was talking about CBD and minor cannabinoids and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. I started talking about CBG 10 years ago, 12, almost 12 years ago. Everybody looked, CB what? He's crazy. That doesn't matter. Uh, no, and then all of a sudden everybody's jumping on that bandwagon, thinking like, you know, maybe there's some viability. There's been viability there all along. We just didn't recognize it. And I mean, and I've been talking about terpenes for now, you know, close to nine years, and now all of a sudden the industry has decided that, yeah, you know, we ought to look at the flavonoids and terpenes. You should have been looking at that from day one. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I don't know. I got. I, I'm just, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying any of this to pat me. I'm saying all this that the knowledge was there. We understood it then. We spent too much time trying to build extraction devices and share how to do security and all this kind of crap rather than educating the consumers who would be the ones that perpetuate this market and perpetuate this vertical. I mean, I think in the last couple of years, I think nationwide, we, we say that some places you see some of the demand falling off. Demand's not falling off. We're providing product that people want to go and look at. And we're providing so much difference, so many, so many, so many types of products. You know, most people, especially the baby boomers, who are probably some of the biggest purchasers in this industry, they walk into a dispensary. Man, they have no idea what to do, and they're talking to a you know twenty-two year old who doesn't even know how to communicate with a sixty-five year old. You know, I mean, there is a void here that we've got to reinvigorate from levels like you, and I, I applaud what you're doing and trying to make sure you educate people on the plant, on the realities of the plant, what the purpose of the plant was for. Yeah. And, and you know, from my perspective, anybody who says, well, you know, I just like to do a little wreck. No, you don't do wreck. You're doing it for it probably because you're trying to solve some underlying medical problem that you don't even know you have. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, receive Montel and, you know, the future's in our hands now, my friend. You know, um, I really try to remind myself on a daily basis, you know, you have to meet the world where it's at. Uh, cannabis has been so, you know, mismessaged for so long. You know, when I encounter folks that, you know, uh, bring in these sort of stereotypes and that lack of knowledge and information, I try to lead with empathy, man. Not everybody has had that access and, and we all have our own sort of respective prejudices along the way that, that keep our heart from listening. And, and we're trained, we're programmed so much to, to process with our minds. And we believe, you know, at least uh, for a long time, we have believe what we are messaged from, you know, the almighty, uh, you know, folks in charge, so to speak, right? People are waking up. I think, uh, you know, we need to be the change that we want to see in the industry. And, and we do that one consumer at a time. And I think to your point, there is no shortage of interest and, in, you know, uh, cannabis is mainstreaming. I think it's starting to mainstream in a more positive way. I think more responsible operators are stepping up and, and finding other operators of that ilk to align with. I know that in California, where I have my operations today, there is a swell of camaraderie within the industry. You know, a lot of the operators all along the supply chain are banding together. We're looking at each other and saying, listen, we have to work together. At this point, at this point it's an existential threat. And there's an opportunity within that as well. 
you know, we have a lot more wood to chop, my friend, but we're making progress. And I do think that what feels like the inevitable rescheduling event to come perhaps this summer, I think that'll be the next little domino or perhaps big domino, however we want to look at that to sort of fall. And, you know, has it happened fast enough? No way. But I think we're going to get a little bit of a, a little bit of tailwind here in, in, in the middle of the year. And, you know, we'll harness that better than most. I got to tell you something, my friend, please, I want you, if you can, reach out to me if you want some help in this. Oh, in this come on. Because I'm telling you, what we got to do is. Yes, please. Start thinking right now about the day the rescheduling happens. Yes. I'm not talking about prepping for banking. I'm not talking about prepping for when the rescheduling happens, that takes away the DEA's inability, their ability to silence us. Yes. That's when we need to go out on the road, be ready to do a dog and pony, be ready to go out and touch the consumer where they are. Touch them. Don't do it. Try to do it virtually. Everybody's going to jump on the virtual bandwagon and try to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We need to go out, go to the nursing homes across the country, go to the communities yeah. across the country, go to, you know, the, the communities in civic centers and put on events so that members of our community recognize that there is a viable efficacious medication modality that you can choose that may not answer all or solve all your problems, but by making sure that you put a system back in check that is inherent to who we are as human beings and mammals. We have the endocannabinoid system. Still to the day, it shocks me that the number of people, civilians and the populace doesn't know about this. And and why? Because the Fed has made us stay silent. And and you know they really didn't actually legislate our silence about the plant and the information. They legislated silence over our particular brands and our particular marketing strategies. Hmm. If we spent more time doing what Big Pharma does, what does Big Pharma do? Now the second that. Schedule one to schedule three happens. That makes it a prescription drug. Look at my TV every 12 minutes. There is a prescription medication commercial on every 12 minutes. Most people don't remember the names. They just remember that it does this, that I kind of have that problem. They go in and talk to the doctor and the doctor gives them a couple of them. And then they go off to the, to, the dispens to the pharmacy. Boom. Now all of a sudden they're ordering. Same thing could happen here. If we can't inundate them with viable information through television. And I'll guarantee you that even after there's a schedule change, there's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, right wing network TV that's going to push back and not give you a spot. Okay. I don't care, but you can't stop me from renting out the ballroom at the Sheridan downtown and inviting the community for a week and a half to show up to be enlightened and possibly even receive a discount for a product that might help them. So then if, you, if you and myself and some others put on a dog and pony across America, I'm going to tell you something. I think in less than a year, we can change the entire dynamic. I, uh, I received that with grace and, and I find myself energized at, at the thought of all of that. I, I couldn't agree more. It's about getting out there. We have to meet the people where they are, you know, on our campus in Coachella, uh, we are intent on making that a bastion of education. You know, we, we bought, my partners and I, about a million square feet of real estate. We'll be uh, launching the first 100,000 square foot structure on that campus, uh, putting plants in the ground in April. 
We'll be doing a, a ribbon cutting. I, I'd love to extend an invite to you, Montel, and anybody else that you'd like to attend with. And what you'll notice there is a hyper focus on education. We're going to be welcoming people into that facility. We're going to be having dedicated courses about the benefits of the various cannabinoids, you know, the endocannabinoid system, et cetera. To your point, you know, it's been, uh, you know, uh, kept from us, right? And, you know, we have this great opportunity now with this rescheduling event. And I do think, friend, there is a moment here where if we can sort of spearhead the energy, there's a lot of operators that will jump on the bandwagon in the good sense of that phrase and be part of what we are talking about. The people are ready for it. The vast majority of the people in this country, you know, are ready for it. You know, the, the polls reflect the same. And, no you know, question. No ifs, ands, yeah. but I'm so with you in this. So even after this podcast, my friend, let us please stay in touch because, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I've offered this, you know, I, I happen to be in the industry also, and I, I, my shameless plug for what I've been doing in the last couple years. You know, I, I got to tell you, I got so sick and tired of going into dispensaries and not finding a product that I wanted to put in my body. Yeah. I would go to dispensaries and, yeah, you know, they got this one's like, you know, juju, juju, boo, whatever, all these silly ass names that we keep coming up with. And, you know, um, you're trying to push the, C, the THC levels to the highest that they can be, oh, not man. even understanding that that's not what the plant was ever about. Oh, man. I can remember way back in the early 70s when I was first consuming. I think I got, I, I really remember some of my experiences back then. And I look at it and say, well, was it really like that? Yeah, it really was like that. It wasn't the fact that I was a neophyte. It was a fact that I'm telling you, I smoked something that put me on another planet. There's yep. no issues or buts. And I will bet you that if it was tested, it never tested out higher than 17 or 18% THC. Right. But it was filled with other minor cannabinoids. Other ones and the, and the flavonoids and the terpenes were such that it made it for more bioavailability. I, my response was quicker. I didn't completely saturate the tip, the tip ends of my you know endocannabinoid system to the point that they they almost fried out. I was actually consuming the plant the way nature gave it to us to consume. Oh, uh, brother, amen. Like uh, our entire CPG play and vision at Green Horizons is addressing exactly what you just described. There is a active, healthy way to consume cannabis, to appreciate it as medicine and to have it be fuel for an active, healthy lifestyle. And, you know, we want to eviscerate, you know, the misguided stereotypes about quote unquote, lazy stoner and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's garbage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on our side, our first, uh, you know, signature brand is a crossover uh, from the apparel world. Tommy Hilfiger is a founding partner in our company. We co-own a fashion brand called Boast, and we've uh, uh, debuted that line of products in Canada uh, last year in Ontario. We're in about 300 shops there today, and we've done some specialty drops in California. We do not want to engage in the THC arms race. It's not natural. That's not the way that the cannabis plant was intended to consume it, it actually it actually holds us back from meeting Correct. new consumers and, and we, we need to re-educate the industry on that you know i gotta tell you something i, I have a uh, I'll, I'll make sure we get you the information i have a line out that's called In inspire by montel and that mm -hmm. line is really based on my formulations that i came up with years ago looking at the plant for what it truly can give you a one i do mixtures where I do formulations of THC with other minor cannabinoids together in the same babe cart. So I have a, a energy one that is 90% by volume THC, 
but 10% by volume CBD with an additional with an additional 5% on there that just gives you uh, a terpene formulation that actually accentuates the terpenes that are already in this broad spectrum. So I think when you add additional terpenes, let's say you take a you you do a, a full spectrum, you know, um, rosin or and okay, now if I go back and add a couple extra mm, micros of particular terpenes that then enhance the terpenes that are already in there, you're going to get a better response. I really believe that. Now, everybody who's used my products has said that they deliver exactly what they are meant to deliver. I have a energy, a calm, a chill, and a snooze. My snooze is a 25, 25, 25, 25 by volume, THC, CBD, CBN, CBC, and then additional terpenes on top of that. I've got another one that is a THC, CBD, CBG with terpenes. All of those accentuating each other's really properties to give you the response that we listed on the box. And so, you know, um, it, it's, it's, and I've, I, you know, I'm blessed that we're in the mass market right now, Massachusetts market. Hopefully we'll be in the Georgia market real soon. We're working very hard at that. And, um, you know, there are products that I formulated because, they help me with all the reasons why I want to enter the space to begin with this, right? basically because of my MS. And so there are ways like my energy gives me energy during the day. But then when I get home, I don't want to be bouncing off the walls and I don't want to be cleaning the kitchen all night long. So I can step down a little bit to either my calm or chill. And then when I want to shut it down and go to sleep, I hit my snooze and I'm perfectly fine. So that's, that's the way I try to, to, uh, to at least process and formulate for the consumer. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would love to thank you for that. And it really resonates with how I approach the use of cannabis personally as well. So just thank you for that. And also just to say with a great you know respect and appreciation for you having shared in the way that you did your own healing journey. When I got sick several years ago, uh, you were one of my heroes, man. I look to your example and your advocacy in such a natural, authentic way as almost permission for me to do the same. So I know that that's true for me and many, many other people that you have helped with that bravery. So just thank you for that, just to acknowledge. And with respect to your products, like I'd love to find a way to commune with them and to get to know them because what you're describing, this is the wave, man. This is how we, we heal the underlying uh, effects that are actually contributing to people's disease. And there's a way to let that, uh, you know, be known in a way that's uh, not proselytizing and, and it's organic and people will respond to that authenticity. When people go into dispensaries now, particularly new consumers, and to your point, they see all the funny names and, you know, 40 something percent THC, it's off-putting and, and it's intimidating. And what ends up happening is they leave there, they don't come back. And they go back to whatever habits that weren't serving them anyway, but there's no alternative that they can relate to. Or they buy something, or they buy something, take it home. And have a bad experience. Have a really bad, have a really nightmarish experience and never come back. And then they tell everybody, that one person tells 10, you just lost, just lost 11, 11 customers. So yeah, I'm with you 100%, my friend. Let's slow down a little bit. I want to back up a little bit because you, you did talk about the fact that you had some personal struggles and, and uh, let's talk about those personal health struggles. You were diagnosed with cancer. I did. I was. Yes, sir. And and did did it did it immediately cross your mind that alternative 
opportunities in cannabis and other medicines might make a difference? Or were you kind of reticent or were you a true believer? Because you grew up in the space, I would bet that you were a true believer. Uh, thank you for the thoughtful question. And I'm very comfortable speaking about this. And um, I was already a believer because of the familial lineage. So I had an intuitive hit naturally that this was something that I would do. What was shocking, though, um, I went to an oncologist at the beginning after I was diagnosed and I expressed and shared with the oncologist that I was a big believer in alternative medicine, et cetera. And he suggested he put me first on three months of oral chemo to stem where I was at um, because I needed it. I did, uh, you know, uh, immediately engage with uh, the regular use of cannabis in order to abate those symptoms. And, and, to, and I also sat with ayahuasca a handful of times. But he told me, have you ever heard of combo? And I'm, I hadn't at that time. And he explained to me it's a venom secretion uh, from the Amazonian monkey frog. And it's an amphibian modality. It's a venom that is applied over the skin. It's a purgative. And, he, he, you know, he described, you know, to me that it's not a, uh, a controlled substance in this country. There's actually a lot of research on the uh, efficacy of the venom itself on a myriad of conditions, not only different kinds of cancers, but other autoimmune conditions, herpes, HPV, et cetera, Lyme disease. And he introduced me to a trained facilitator. There was actually a, an accredited, a, a licensing accredited, accreditation platform of sorts that uh, trained these practitioners all over the country. And I was able to uh, meet that person and I dove deep into that work myself personally. So now if people want up your website, do you have a website that gives out that kind of information where people know how to, how to do this themselves? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have a, a Green Horizons company website, which is our cannabis company, and that is greenhorizons.io. In so far as having uh, more information available on these other modalities that I'm personally passionate about, the way I've gone about doing that, Montel, is just on a very uh, organic one-to-one -one level. So as I meet people, many people throughout the industry, I've sort of, you know, at least maybe within California cannabis circles, become sort of the de facto resource if folks want to, you know, sort of venture out and explore some of these other ancient medicines beyond cannabis. I put myself out as a resource in that way. And I got to tell you, man, I um, have a, a tremendous amount of satisfaction in being able to just give people the information and be a support system in that way. And if they, if they wanted to get that information from you, they reach out to you directly? Or? Yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm like a, one of my uh, favorite people who used to, you know, uh, put out his email out to the world was Mark Cuban. I used to all, all actually email Mark Cuban and, you know, got a response or two. Uh, you know, los, L-O-S, at greenhorizons.io. I'm telling you people, if you're out there, email me. If you want to learn about ayahuasca, combo, 5-MEO, how to properly utilize cannabis, whatever, reach out. It's something that I, it's my favorite sport. I love to talk about nothing else. <laughs> gotcha. For sure. So now, after how many, how many sessions or how long did yeah. it take you to put your cancer in remission? Yeah. It was within 12 months. So the uh, oncologist said he recommended I do 12 sessions of combo within a 12 month period. And uh, so about once a month, I went ahead and did 15 because I th that's just kind of my nature. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I got to the point that I was able to do uh, large uh, doses uh, that not only uh, eviscerated the cancer Montel, but I had a physical transformation. I lost, you know, 20, 25 pounds. You know, I leaned out, I got a lot more muscular combo 
specifically is utilizing the indigenous uh, tribes in South America as a pre-hunt ritual for the warrior class. So this is something that is engaged in before the warriors go out hunting at night. And you almost feel superhuman in a way after having this experience. It is so detoxifying, again, cleaning you from the inside out in a way that is, is difficult to describe, but you know, I'm trying my best. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And I love that there's so much literature to support this. This is something that you know, has really served as a bedrock, not only in my own personal journey, but also in forming some of the more substantive relationships uh, in my business life. I'll give you, if you indulge me, an anecdotal example of that. I met Tommy's daughter, Allie Hilfiger, well before I ever met Tommy. Uh, she was introduced to me by a mutual friend who's also a partner in our business. Um, and she's been very forward about her own struggle with Lyme disease. She wrote a book called Bite Me, uh, which at one point was a New York Times bestseller about her experience. And notwithstanding all of her resources, never found anything that helped her. And she was kind of at a hopeless point. And I was uh, put in touch with her and I helped her access combo and some of these other modalities. And cannabis was a big part of that regimen. Night and day, she had such a transformative health outcome over about a eight or nine month period that was the means by which I ultimately met her dad. So there was just like a, an appreciation from a father to a third party who helped his daughter get better. And, and, and the relationship started there. Thereafter, there, there came this uh, alignment on a professional level, but like the medicine is that powerful, man. And I view cannabis in the same lens. It's the uh, you know, ultimate way to bring people together when you could align together in a way of vulnerability and harness that and bring forth results that are positive in such a powerful way. Uh, that's a beautiful thing to be a part of my man. Right. And, and it really motivates me personally. Absolutely. And so let, let's talk a little bit now. Are you not surprised? And we're going to run out of time, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on this. But aren't yeah. you surprised, are, are you surprised at the fact that Western medicine has become more open to psychedelics and some of those alternative chemicals than they have been with mm -hmm. cannabis, where cannabis is where they started. I mean, truthfully, if you go back to what is really modern medicine, you know, you go back to the late 1800s, you know, you go all, you can go all the way back to the late 1600s and realize that cannabis has been utilized. You know, it was used to, the, to, they, we used the hemp seeds for porridge, you know, on ships coming across to pound America. We used hemp. Uh, fiber for everything from sheets to clothes to uniforms to you name it. I mean, hemp has been a part of America. And, you know, the, the line between hemp and cannabis is really so thin. You know that, you know, all those who were growing were consuming and they lied. They said they weren't. So the truth of the matter is we've had discussions about this for over 300 years. We've only whispered about psychedelics in that same period of time. Yet right now, Modern medicine is jumping on board psychedelics faster than they are with cannabis. I uh, I have a thought on that, and I think it has to do with the cultural element. Cannabis, the prohibition of cannabis was fueled, of course, by uh, a desire to keep certain people down. Absolutely. You know, uh, Mexicans, African-Americans, et cetera. Yes. And it was a very effective campaign. How many people have been impacted Right. I mean, it's a crime of the century, man. 
And, and, and we go and for those out there listening in right now, you got to go check the data yourself. You're going to find out that yeah. probably close to 70% of all those people ever arrested for cannabis in America were people of color. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's such a pernicious stain on our relationship with ourselves and, and our relationship with a plant. Um, it's a sad reality of this matrix that we live in. I think the psychedelic side of things, because uh, people of color weren't necessarily targeted when that was prohibited. Some way, uh, the hippie movement and anti-war movement is more tolerable, perhaps. Uh, at, right, and and you know, um, there's also probably a little bit of a concept of on the pharmaceutical side, perhaps a belief, uh, unfounded or not, that you know some of those uh, psychedelic modalities will lend itself better to. Uh, uh, IP protection and the ability to monetize certain molecules. That kind of surprises me a little bit because to your point, the cannabis plant is so rich in, in everything that it has. Maybe it also has something to do with whether they would admit it or not. To your point earlier about full spectrum, that is the way to consume. When you try to isolate compounds and, and create this, that, and yonder, the level of efficacy obviously plummets. And perhaps on the pharmaceutical side, there's some sort of inherent knowledge of that. So I think it's probably an amalgamation of these factors. Yeah, I, 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 I almost agree with you hundred percent. I think it's because for, big pharma thinks that they can copy yeah. the, like the, the the molecules. They'll be able to do that easier because they can kind of isolate down to mm -hmm. one or two specific kinds of molecular structures to recreate psychedelics. Whereas when it comes to cannabis, we still don't know the full number of cannabinoids that exist in this plant. As much as anybody tries to lie and tell you they do, they're lying through their teeth because they know that we know that there's probably well over 500 active component parts. There's probably well over mm, 160 to 200 cannabinoids. As soon as we start really identifying the acid versions, the non-acid acid versions, then we start looking at the terpenes, their interaction with those individual 160 plus. Then we look at the flavonoids and their action. It goes on and on and on. So that's almost unreplicatable, especially when, and Big Pharma knows that because they attempted to do that with Marinol, which is probably one of the most unusual on the planet. And we recognize that it didn't work. I, I, I think we're, uh, we're hitting out on the head here, Montel. And you know what it says to me? It's an opportunity for us on the cannabis side. We can harness that dynamic and do it the right way. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, this notion of, you know, getting the community building together, the grassroots energy and harnessing the, uh, you know, rescheduling this year to, to effectuate the same. It's an opportunity for us. Absolutely. It, it should be looked at that way. I got to tell you, I'm hoping that the industry comes together, but I think it's the leaders like you that will make your peers understand the highway they should be on. Because if they don't take the same highway you're on, they're going to be out in the middle of the desert. So, you know, let's get on the road together. Let, let, let's do it together. And to that point, I would, man, any way that I can support your amazing portfolio of products, you know, anywhere, be it in California, states around this country, we need more of that energy out on the planet. So count me as a, as a collaborator and as a friend, and I'd be happy to be in touch on any and all of it. Let's do it, my man. Let's do it for sure. And, and also I throw it right back at you, man. I'm telling you, you know, with your school, if you ever need me to come in and speak, you know, or if you're doing an event, let me know. Because, you know, I think it's time now that we we commune together again. You know, yes. way back in the beginning when this was all efforts that were ground grassroots, 
you know, I remember way back working with, you know, Peter Lewis and the groups from MPP and all those guys around the country. You know, we would go to events and, man, literally people were there because they believed in the nature of our mission to make sure people understand there's an alternative out there. That was really what was, it was, the, that's, that's at the grassroots level, that's really what it was all about. It wasn't about telling you that I've got a cure. I just want you to know that I've got something else. Mm -hmm. Well, I, uh, it's an honor to be on this path with you. Thank you for the service uh, for all the years. And, you know, we're here together on, on, on this great planet at this particular time. Let's fill it with love and energy and information and education about this beautiful plant, brother. There's people that are hungry for it, and we're here to deliver it. Absolutely. Let's deliver it. So, look, before I let you go, let's talk mm. a little bit. Because, I mean, even my brother, you have you have the perfect, you know, you, you don't hold one in front of you. You got the perfect crystal ball. So yeah, man, I appreciate tell, you, man. Tell, tell me a little bit about what you see. When you look into that crystal ball, you say to yourself, oh, crystal ball, crystal ball, tell me, are we going to break through in the next two, three, four, five years? What do you think? I think, thank you, Montel. I think rescheduling happens this year. Uh, it'll be an election year gambit, uh, you know, for sure. Uh, I think that'll inevitably lead, if not this year, shortly thereafter to a, a Garland memo and, you know, getting some additional clarity there. And, and perhaps that third catalyst, which would be a, a version of safer banking, you know, I think you will see uplisting uh, become a reality. Uh, which will open up, you know, capital markets and, and increase coverage. And I think at that point, uh, you know, let's call that everything I just described the next 12 to 18 months, I think you'll start to see uh, the folks that have been on the sidelines uh, poke their heads out a little bit. You know, the, uh, you know, Altria, Constellation brand, some of these folks, obviously they've already made some moves uh, in different capacities throughout the industry. There's many more like them. That, that are sort of, you know, waiting about. And, you know, I think uh, entrepreneurs that take advantage in the best sense of that word of the next 12 to 18 months, this sort of moat that we have to create sustainable uh, businesses with real vision, integrity, and values and dif differentiated products that are going to meet the needs of the consumers to come, not necessarily the consumers that are even here today. You know, there's a balance to be struck there. I think that um, folks that have endured everything that we've had to go through, Montel, as business people, you know, competing with the traditional market, paying these high taxes, navigating all of the regulatory red tape, we will have um, a moment to make decisions that will be profitable ones. And I hope that in having those uh, successes as entrepreneurs and business people, there is going to be a high enough vibration of responsible stewardship to take those proceeds and to continue to perpetuate the education and, and, and the movement in earnest. Like one of the best things that I love about the cannabis industry, the people that are still here, and to your point a little bit earlier, a sliver of the folks who initially got into it, um, people really care. It's been hard. And if you're still here, it's because you know your values are, are, are where they need to be. And it gives me a lot of hope for you know, once you, we take all these chains off of us as operators, we've been trying to do it the right way. I think in the next two, three, four years, we're going to see uh, an absolute transformation in so far as new people coming to this amazing plant. And, and we're going to be part of that change that we need in the world, man. And ultimately, I think in doing that, people start healing, start connecting with their heart, start connecting better with each other. 
I think we can uh, we can turn the tide on this hyper polarized environment that we live in, all this uh, you know illusion of separation. Ultimately, my man, and you know this is a core belief of mine personally. We're all one. We're all one. It's all about love at the end of the day, and the uh, reefer madness induced paranoia and misinformation about this cannabis plan. I think at its core was designed to ultimately keep us from ourselves. And and that game has run dry. You know, yeah, I'm you, you again, the game has run dry. There are people, you know, that that fallacy, that 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 illusion that was trying to be perpetuated on mankind, I think is starting to go away. It's starting to go away because people are starting to say, no, you're not that's not right. You know, yes. and, and even even if you look at it at the at just the, the most basic of level, you look around a country at all the legislatures. The legislations around the legislatures around the country who have passed some sort of a bill allowing cannabis. You look at who were at the center of that. They were probably majority of them are baby boomers, brother. They were yes. people who they were people who remember smoking a joint under the bleachers, and now they ascended to the height of being a congressman or a senator. Or they were the ones who remember their friends who smoked a joint under the under the, the bleacher, but that's the same friend that owns five car dealerships. They didn't all go to jail. They didn't all fuck it up. They all really went about their lives responsibly. Yeah, there were some that went a little ignorant, but 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 that happens in everything. And so I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. I want the ticket. So just tell me how I got my ticket. I'm on board the bus, okay? My man, we already on the bus. It's a pleasure to be on it with you, and, and I'm here to help drive it. <laughs> well, look, you know what? I, we don't have... Man, I, I I only got five or six questions in. That's not hey, hey, hey. what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> Let's get it back. I'm I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a Melly in my office reach out to you and get you back here next week, man. Because I got so much more I want to talk to you about. I think there's so much more that you can share. And I know right now I'm I'm looking in my camera because I know the people that are out there who have been watching this podcast. You go tell your friend. You need to, please give me give me one more time, brother. Give me the stats on how I find you. But please email me los los at greenhorizons.io. That's my personal email. The website is greenhorizons.io. Reach out to me personally. You're going to be seeing a lot of energy that we'll be putting in the world in the coming months, sort of on a public uh, level going forward. But I'm here personally, and I'm here to serve. So just thank you for the uh, the trust and confidence. Los, I'm telling you, and thank you all for making sure you tuned in today, but make sure you tell a friend. All these podcasts are always available. They're up there. You can just download it at any time. Download this one at least two times because I'm telling you, I'm looking back at it right now in my brain thinking, dang, you know, we we did talk about that. Dang. Okay. <laughs> now I've got so much more I need to talk to you about. So please, please, please come back. Stay blessed. Love that family of yours. Take care of yourself. Mm. Let's talk real soon. Okay, my brother? God bless. Thank you, Montel. What a pleasure. Thank you. A pleasure to me, too. And a pleasure having all of you tune in, too. Make sure you tune into the next edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news 
and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.